Chapter 19 of Old Broadbrim into the Heart of Australia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Old Broadbrim into the Heart of Australia by St. George Henry Rathborn. Chapter 19 Old Broadbrim Tightens the Coil. Old Broadbrim, after his interview with Danny of Melbourne, escorted the old man to the residence of the High Sheriff, with whom he had a brief conversation. The Sheriff had promised to detain the old fellow till the detective had secured Merle, and with this promise ringing in his ears, he went back. Jem, the Sydneyite, was a man to be looked for now. The reader will remember that he left Round Robin Ranch on a mission for Beldemona. Merle, however, had enacted from Jem a promise that he would go no farther than Perth, where he would find plenty to amuse him. For this purpose, Merle had supplied him with ample funds. What had become of Jem? Had he gone to Melbourne for the purpose of looking into the pit trap in old Danny's den, or had he stopped in Perth? If the American detective, still sailing under the name of Roland Riggs, could have looked into a well-known gaming den on the main street of the provincial town, he would have got a peep at Jem. The young man had obeyed Merle and disobeyed Beldemona. Fond of gambling, he had sat nearly all day in front of his pile of chips and played fiercely. His success was varying, and now and then the pile would grow very small to mount again and bring a gleam of triumph to his eyes. Jem knew Riggs only since his coming to Round Robin Ranch. He had seen the disguised detective and knew that he stood high in the favor of the couple there. Therefore, when the door of the gaming den opened and he saw Riggs standing before him, he threw down his cards and greeted him with a smile. But the next instant Jem's face paled. What if Riggs should tell Beldemona that he had broken his promise? Half a minute later Jem threw up his hand and walked over to old Broadbrim. Hello, Riggs. I didn't expect you here, he said, forcing another smile to his lips. I came down here for a little time and will throw up the cards now. They stood beyond the house in one of the little parks that dot Perth and were alone. How's the ranch? said Jem. It's coming on fine, but you've been away nearly as long as I have. When did you come in? A few hours ago. But you were there when I left? And you, Jem, were not to have stopped here. The young man started. Who told you so? I know it. You were to go to Melbourne. For her? Yes, that's right, but hang it all, Riggs. When a fellow was better paid to stop here, why shouldn't he? Who paid you best? My friend Merle, said Jem. He's a cool one, and when he wants a thing done to his liking, it is done that way, that's all. They stood under one of the trees in the park, and old Broadbrim saw that his companion's face was still pale. Look here, that was a cool game, Jem, said he. What was? Why, your little play in London. Did he tell you? Who, Merle? Yes. Well, never mind. I did let the fox get away from me, but I came on after him as soon as I could. It's no blame on your part, Jem. You were deceived so cleverly and so well that Merle doesn't blame you. Then who would have thought that the tracker would come out in Lord Harway's yacht? No one. He must have pulled the wool over his lordship's eyes in a masterly manner, laughed Jem. You see, Riggs, for I see Merle has told you about all. It was a little my fault in London. I could have silenced the man once, but I let the opportunity slip. 
You took the trail as soon as Merle sailed from London. Yes, I took his place. The man wasn't to get off, but he did. Then I cabled Merle to Melbourne and put him on his guard, for when I knew the Maybloom was bound for Sydney, I felt that he wouldn't stop this side of Melbourne. In that I was right. I guess Merle stopped him there. I think so, in old Danny's den. The very spot I am to investigate for Beldomona. But I don't care about the trip. I don't like Melbourne, and besides it's not the place for cards that Perth is. I've been thinking, Riggs, since seeing you, that I might let you carry out the rest of my plan and investigate the old pit for me. You're kind, Jim, just as if I care about the job. I'll pay you, Riggs. I'm the lucky man tonight. And he pulled out from his pocket a lot of ten-pound notes. Help yourself, but only go to old Danny's and look into the pit. If anyone's at the bottom, Beldemona will pay well for the news. And if it's empty, why, by Jove, we can trump up a story for the occasion. Will you go, Riggs? Old Broadbrim pushed the bills away. Why not make up the story here, Jim, he said. I never thought of that. Only a letter from old Danny to Merle might give us away. We can fix the old man, said the detective. But Merle must have had great cause to wish that tracker out of the way. He has cause. That was a dangerous man. Was he an Englishman? No. No Scotland Yarder would have made Merle so eager to get away from him. He was one of these Yankee sleuths. He followed Merle all the way from New York. What for? Just exactly what for, I can't tell. You see, that is one of the secrets Merle never confided to me. You're not his confidant, then. Not in all things. He keeps some secrets from Beldemona, even. When did you go to London, Jim? More than six months ago. I went that far with Merle. When he went to the United States? Yes, when Bell sent him over there on a mission of some kind. It must have been a startling mission to have fetched this Yankee detective back in his wake. Exactly. Now, if you only had stopped the detective in London, you would have done Merle a favor. But I say you're not to be blamed, Jim Boy. I hope not. It wasn't altogether my fault. I never thought of Lord Harway's yacht till it was too late. The detective, who had pumped Jem so effectively, proposed to adjourn to an alehouse just beyond the park, and the young Briton consented. They proceeded to a back room, where ale was brought them and where old Broadbrim played the remainder of his hand. So you went up to London with Merle when he set out on the mission across the sea, he asked. I stayed with him till he sailed. But he kept the secret, did he? Come now, Jem, you're a good fellow, and you and I are going to become famous friends, for I don't intend to give you away to Beldemona, who thinks that you are on the road to Melbourne. I don't care why Merle went to America, for I'm only Roland Riggs, ranch herder and plainsman, and it doesn't matter to me if he went out on a mission of blood. Jem fell back and his lower jaw dropped as he looked at old Broadbrim in the face. I happen to know that Beldemona hated an old man who years ago spurned her love in Monaco, and as he was a rich old cove in the States, he was a fat pigeon to be plucked or killed. That's it! And the hand of Jen came down upon the table with emphasis. He was a rich old cove, sure enough. I heard Merle say that he went out to pay off an old debt. One of his own? No, one of hers. I hope he paid it. These old rascals of spurn women's love must sooner or later reap the rewards of their acts. Yes, 
Dell would have gone herself, but for a little attack of the bush fever, continued Jem. That's the way Merle came to go. Did he go willingly? Yes, he wanted to serve her. And did, no doubt. When he came back, of course he acquainted you with the result of his mission? I met him in London. I was on hand when he came back, but he didn't say much. Only he showed me a newspaper containing an account of the violent death of a rich man in New York, and when he pointed to the article he gave me a knowing look, that was all. But you inferred, Jim, that the old cove was the enemy of our mistress, Beldemona. I hardly remember what I inferred just then, answered Jem, draining his glass. But let's quit this subject, Riggs. It's not a pleasant one. Agreed, Jem. We'll make up the story for Bell about your supposed visit to Melbourne. Jem laughed at this, and the two talked half an hour longer when they left the tap room. There was an eager, triumphant look in the Quaker's eyes. He had all the clues in his hands. He had picked up many a thread since setting foot on Australian soil, and the coils of guilt had tightened around Merle McRae. He parted with Jem in the street and saw the young man wend his way toward the gambling den. Goodbye, Jim, said old Broadbrim under his breath. If thee knew to whom thee hast talked tonight, perhaps thy nerves wouldn't be quite as steady as they are. But never mind, Jim. Thee is not in the shadow of the noose. In a little while the detective stood on the porch of his hotel and was watching the many figures that flitted past underneath the lamps. He was entirely at his ease. As cool in Perth as he stood on Broadway, he watched the crowds with a smile at his lips. Thousands of miles from home, the Quaker, who was daunted by nothing, felt as sure of victory as if he had not an enemy in the world. When at last he turned in, it was with a feeling of coming victory which nothing could dim. Had he not left waters on guard at the ranch? He was serving Beldemona, and Star Eyes would not betray him. But old Broad Brim did not know that the trial of his life was yet to come, and that he was on the eve of the most perilous adventure of his memorable career. But if he had known this, would he have shrunk? No, he would not have been old Broad Brim the ferret if he had done so. He was a man who never fled from danger when duty called. End of chapter 19